Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. But we're going to continue in our series this morning, Free to Be Me. And uh, today I've got a particular message that I want to share with you. That in order to be free to be me, I am no longer concerned with the critique of others. No longer concerned with the critique of others. Now I want to, I got to stop and I've got to build this out really quick for just a second because one thing that I've learned over many years of pastoral ministry and public speaking is this, is that you can, you can never assume that what you're saying is resonating in the minds and the hearts of people the way that you intend for it to. Uh, because sometimes I'm here, you know, we're all caught up in so many cultural nuances that I'm here explaining and describing kingdom principle, but we're missing it because we're focused on the cultural nuance. But so, so I want to I want to just stop here for just a minute and just say when we talk about free to be me, that is not intended as a series that gives space for complacency. In other words, we don't just look at that phrase, free to be me, and say, well, I'm me, and I'm just me, and that's all. No, no, God has a higher call for you than whatever you are right now, wherever you're at right now, God is, has an upward call on your life. The Word says that you and I, as we study the Word together, as we, as we walk in fellowship and communion with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will be changed from glory to glory into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. Amen? So, so this is a series aimed at not promoting arrogance. This is a word of confidence. This is a word of humility even. That we recognize it's not us in our own strengths, but it is the call of God. It is the purpose of God in our lives that, that moves us, that propels us, that, that, that makes us move forward in the things of God. So this is a series aimed at removing all the hindrances and obstacles that keep us from pressing into everything that God has in store for us. I want to ask you this. How many of you would say over the last couple of weeks, Pastor, I've been challenged in my life to move forward in some things, to grow deeper in Christ. Amen. Well, that's, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, hey, all right. Yeah, I was starting to get concerned there for a second. But um, yeah, I was like, well, just three? Hey, you know, it's like the guy with the starfish, you know, he's throwing them back, you know. Uh, don't you know you can't make a difference for all these starfish? He's, well, made a difference for that one so um so yeah but praise god for that challenge that you're all we are all corporately experiencing together to to move to greater depths in christ jesus so um as a matter of fact i, I want to focus in here for just a minute on this particular message when we're talking about no longer being hindered or held back by the critique of others and i want to be really specific with this because I want to I walk you up to a fine line today between a couple of items that one is spiritually healthy and really good for us and one that is not so spiritually healthy and can actually be detrimental for us. And, and the one of those things is that we need mentors in our lives 
It's, it's good for you and I that we have people in our lives around us that have the capability to speak into our lives. And sometimes they say hard things to us. We need people that we can be honest with and they can be honest with us. You know? And, and sometimes we tend to draw back and shy away from those things. So I'm not, when I'm talking about being free to be me and no longer concerning myself with the critique of others, I'm not talking about turning away from those healthy voices in our lives, those, those voices that challenge us, those voices that inspire us, those, those, those voices that build us up. But what I am talking about today is that while we do need the voice of the mentor, the godly man or woman of God that's going to speak truth into our lives, we also have to endure the, the unsolicited noise of the critic also. And if we give too much space in our lives and we give too much attention to the voice of the critic, it will be detrimental to our spirituality and to our advancing in the things of God for our lives. As a matter of fact, it can almost put us in a paralytic state. So as I share with you today, I'm sharing with the belief that you're going to be awakened today to a truth and that truth is going to make you free now i want to i want to clarify just for a minute here the difference the distinction between a mentor and a critic because you know while again while we need the wisdom the instruction the encouragement and even if necessary the rebuke is, is that okay is it okay if, if every word spoken to us is not out of boy? I mean, sometimes we just need somebody to come along who can just talk real with us and say, hey, I see the direction you're headed. I see the attitude that's being manifest. I see, the, I see something on you that's not quite registering just so in my spirit. And can we talk about it? And, and while we need that, we need that godly mentor speaking, we often deal with the, the unsolicited and unnecessary noise of the critics. And I want to help you today be able to distinguish, to distinguish between the, the, God, the input of the godly mentor and the noise of the critic. Now, a mentor builds you up, Period. A mentor builds you up. Here's the thing about the mentor. Understand this. When you find a godly mentor, somebody that's being honest with you, you can be honest with them. Understand this, that all of their words to you don't have to be comfortable. We live in a society that is so addicted to comfort that oftentimes we will draw back from the benefit and the blessing of having godly men and women to speak truth into our lives. I believe, if, I believe if Isaiah was here today in this society, in this generation, I believe if he had a revelation of the Lord high and lifted up today, he would say, woe is me, for I'm an offended man and I dwell in the midst of an offended people. I, I think that would be the sin of this generation. I'm offended. Everybody's offended. You know, we wear it like a badge. And, and you know what? I'm offended. I, I'm offended. 
I'm offended that we create these safe places and sterile environments where young people run to and they never have their thoughts or their ideologies challenged by anybody else. And if you say anything that's contrary to what they believe or how they feel, it hurts their little feelings. Listen, 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 listen. That's not real life. That's not real life. That's a fantasy world. And, and the truth of the matter is what we're seeing manifest in this generation is something that a lot of us have longed for for far too long. We're just seeing it come to manifestation and fruition in this upcoming generation. But we all want this utopic kind of environment where everybody stands around us and says, rah, rah, you're doing a great job and keep on keeping on. And we never get any correction and we never have any rebuke and we never have any challenging words spoken over our lives. But that's not real life. And that's not the way God operates. And that's, that's a fantasy world. And I, I want to correct that today. But listen, listen, you, when you come into this place, when you come into this place, I hope that you don't come with the expectation that you're always going to be made comfortable. I, I hope that you never come in and say, well, I know today Pastor Steve's going to comfort me and he's going he's to just stroke me so and I'm just going to leave this place and I'm just going to feel great about all of life. No, 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 no. I don't care whether you're comfortable or not. I care are you challenged in the things of God? Are you, are you sensing an upward call in your spirit to go to greater places in Christ Jesus? That's what I'm concerned about today. You don't need me to tell you that everything's going to be great. You need me to assure you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> Sometimes we can miss the benefit of a mentor because we're so addicted to comfort that if anything's said that makes us uncomfortable, we want to recoil and withdraw and sulk and find somebody to soothe our wounds. And, you know, the opposite of that, however, is the critic. The critic speaks vicious words. The critic speaks untruths. The, the critic will express deeply formed opinions about you without having a deeply formed understanding of you. They don't know what you're going through. They don't know where you've been. They don't know the call of God on your life. They don't know the trial that you've been. They just form an opinion about you and begin to just speak that over you. And, and while the mentor's aim is to build you up, the critic's aim is to tear you down. And that's the voice I want to speak to because there's no redemptive value in their words. Their aim is to hurt, harass, and to hinder. And to delve into the psychology of this phenomenon is a different message altogether. But suffice to say today, can I just say this to you today? If you're dealing with critics in your lives, generally speaking, and this is just something that I found, it's, it's anecdotal and, and I, it's just a conclusion I think I've drawn on my own. The voice of the critic over your life, generally speaking, I believe, has more to do with the way they feel about themselves than the way they think about you. There, there's something about the blessing and the favor of God on your life that causes them to feel less than and rather than rise up to where you are, they'd rather tear you down to their level. 
Does that make sense? And, and I, I, that's, that's the voice and that's where I want to sound the hazard. That's where I want to sound the alarm because of the efforts of the critic and we know that people play games on the outside. It often causes us to set up some inside games. And you know, we know that outside people do play such games. People do talk. People are judgmental. People do make inflammatory and antagonistic statements. People do cast stones. And as it pertains to dealing with many people, there's not really a lot of difference between adulthood and middle school. I'm just being honest. It's, it's about the same plane of mentality. And sometimes because of the games people play on the outside, it sets up an, a narrative on the inside of our hearts and our minds that keeps us in a paralytic state as it results to our pursuit of greater things in Christ Jesus. Many times, nobody has to say anything at all. Nobody has to do anything at all. Just because we know there's a proclivity among people towards gossip and judgment, we'll start playing games with our own selves and our own minds. And, and we, we begin to say things like this, well, you know, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're thinking, so, you know, I, I, just, I know that they've got something to say about me, so I'm just going to stay over here, I'm just going to sit down, I'm just going to make myself small, I'm just going to be quiet, because I don't want to give them anything else to run their mouth about. Listen, I do know, I have known people who refused to walk in their giftings and utilize their talents for the glory of God or perhaps they don't even attend church in this present context because of what they assume that somebody else thinks or feels about them. Well, Pastor, I would love to be up on there with the worship team. I can sing like a songbird, but I know that if I was standing up there, there would be some people out there. They wouldn't be satisfied with me. They would, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, I want to tell you something today. Maybe they do think or feel some kind of way. Maybe they are having something to say, but I've got good news for you today, child of God. You weren't called for the pleasure of other people. You were called for the manifestation of God's glory on your lives. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. I, I want to look at the life of a familiar friend from Scripture today, if we could, for just a few minutes. I want to invite you to take your Bibles today, if you have them, your device, however you access the Scripture. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to look at the life of a familiar friend and throughout the narrative, the chronicle of his life in Scripture, we see that this was an individual whose motives were judged, Everything he did, it's like somebody had something to say. Hey, I know why you're here. You're just here to show off. You're just here to, you know, make a name for yourself. You're just here for this or that. It, there was jealousy over this individual's accomplishments. They were mocked for their dedication to the Lord. They, they were, they were um, criticized and blamed for things that were outside of their control. They were torn down because of their successes. And if I were to use the word opposition today, it would be a light word to describe the things that our friend faced. And if you haven't caught on just yet as to who our friend is that we're visiting today within in the scripture, it's, it's the life of King David. 
And if you just really back away and take the 30,000 foot view over his life, I mean, we can talk about David and the giant. We can talk about uh, David and Bathsheba. We could talk about David and Uriah. We could talk about all these number of different isolated things. But if you really just back away and take a, take a, a, a view of the holistic view of David's life, you find that often were the times that the voice of the critic raised against him. That, that individual with the intent to tear him down and to keep him from propelling forward in God's destiny and God's call for his life. And, you know, David, David was opposed by his brothers when he, when he offered to go and face the giant. If you remember that story, they said, hey, wait, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Oh, David, we know what you're up to. Who, who'd you leave those few sheep with? I mean, they're casting shade all over this brother. They, you know, we, we know your motive. You're just here to show off and all these different things. And Saul sought to take David's life. You remember that? I mean, when's the last time you've had a hit attempted on your lives? Right? So it's not so bad for you right now. I mean, character assassination, maybe. But act, we're talking about literal somebody seeking to kill this guy. And a large, as a matter of fact, a large portion of the scripture that records David's life chronicles times when David was running through the wilderness, hiding in caves and hanging out just to avoid the people that were pursuing him to take his life. And, and Saul's not the only one that ever hunted David like an animal. As a matter of fact, at one point, one of David's own sons, Absalom, sought him, hunted him to take his life. David's own wife ridiculed him because of his worship to the Lord. The men who were closest to David, if you remember David and his mighty men, if you remember those, the men who were closest to David during some of the most trying seasons of his life because they weren't happy with his leadership in a moment, they said, you know what? We ought to just stone this guy. We ought to just stone this guy. We're done with him. But David never stopped because of the voices that were aimed at tearing him down. In, in, in the face of this, David was still a worshiper. David was still a trusted friend. David was still a giant slayer. Come on, somebody. David was still a kingdom builder. Come on, somebody. That's what we need in this generation are giant slayers and kingdom builders, people who are willing to rise up in the anointing of God and say, I don't care what you say about me what I care about is what God has spoken over my life and that's the direction I'm going to move and, and you might stop and look back from that and say why is that how is that so that this man who underwent so much scrutiny was able to just continue on in his call and pursue the destiny of God for his life I believe it's because God established a paradigm very early in David's life that I believe was an encouragement for him and I pray that it'll be an encouragement for you today. If you, if you have been to church any length of time at all, you've no doubt heard mention of the nation of Israel and you know that much of Christianity, uh, the history of Christianity and its emergence on the world scene uh, is rooted around the history of the nation of Israel and there's a lot not only historical significance but spiritual significance in that as them being God's chosen people 
You, you understand all of that. So if you go back and you read through the history of, of the nation of Israel, as a matter of fact, if you would end uh, 1 Samuel uh, beginning at about chapter 8, continue forward till you get to today's text, you'll find that up until that point, Israel had been ruled by uh, prophets and judges, but they begin to call out to God and say, God, would you give us a king like every other nation around us? We don't, we don't want to be unique. We don't want to be set apart anymore. We want to be like the world around us. And finally, the Lord relented and he anointed a man by the name of Saul. The prophet Samuel anointed Saul to be the king. Saul transgressed against the Lord and the Lord withdrew his hand from Saul and said, you know, you're not going to be the king anymore. I'm going to anoint a new king. So God sends the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse and says, Samuel, it's time. Stop grieving over Saul. It's time to anoint a new king. It's time to place that upward call on somebody else's life and have them raise up and take up this mantle, this anointing, and walk in it for the glory of God. So Samuel says, well, how can I do this? Because as surely as Saul knows that I'm going to anoint a new king, he'll have me killed. So the Lord spoke to him and says, well, you just you go to the house of Jesse and you, you prepare a sacrifice and you invite him to come and worship with you, not only him, but his sons also. So uh, Samuel does according to the word of the Lord. He invites uh, Jesse and all of his household. He said, hey, Jesse, come. We're doing this worship thing and we're sacrificing and I want you to come and I want you to bring all your sons. So here comes Jesse, all seven sons in tow. And they're coming out to the sacrifice and they worship together. And Samuel gets up and he expresses his business and, and he says, you know, I'm here to anoint a new king. And one by one, Jesse has his sons pass by the prophet. And, you know, this guy's good looking and he's handsome and he's got it all together and he, he looks like the one. Samuel says, surely this is the one. And God said, no, this is not the one. And you know how the story goes, one by one by one, each one of those seven sons came passing by and there was a restraint in the spirit from the man of God anointing any of them king. And finally, uh, Samuel asked this infamous question and says, are there, is this all of your sons? This, is this it? This is all there is. And remember I said that Samuel came with seven sons but the truth was that Samuel had eight. He had eight sons, and one of those eight sons was this man, David. And, and while he had deemed potential and, and possibility in the lives of his other seven sons, young David was left behind to tend a few sheep. He wasn't even invited to the, talk about tardy to the party. He wasn't even invited Verse 11, we read this and it says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not set down until he comes here. I want you to let this settle down deep in your spirit this morning. Let this settle, let this narrative just, just resonate in your heart right now. There was a gathering. The man of God had come to town and he said, Jesse, bring your boys. And Jesse brought seven boys, but he had eight. Okay, are you with me? 
Listen, listen to me real close here. Everyone, hear me, everyone who feels like you can't do anything because nobody ever believed in you. Listen to me, everyone who hasn't felt that they could do anything because they haven't been validated by someone else. Nobody's put their stamp of approval on you. Everyone who might say, well, pastor, you don't know about my family. You don't know what it was like growing up at my house. This man is the only one of eight sons that his own daddy refused to recognize the potential of his life. Most of us would have been curled up today in the fetal position at home, depressed, rendered incapable of moving had this happened to us. Are you with me? And, and I can, I, sometimes I, my imagination runs wild. When I begin to read these narratives and I'm, I'm thankful for the editorial, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's edits in the scripture because, you know, my Bible's this thick, but I believe if the Spirit didn't edit out the unnecessary dialogue, it might be about yay thick. Because the word just simply says that, you know, the, the servants ran, they got David. But can you imagine the conversation along the way? Can you imagine somebody running out in the field? Hey, David, there's been this sacrifice going on. Your father and all his sons were invited. By the way, you got left here in the field. But we need you to come now. It's way after the fact. We've already exhausted all the potential of these, but we think maybe there might be a shot for you. Come on, David, let's go. And in our minds, we just see David just running down the track, and here he comes, and he's, he's coming in. But you know what? I can, I can almost hear in my mind that conversation might go this way. And you say there's a what? And, and, and you say that Samuel's there. And you say that all my brothers were invited and I was invited also but nobody bothered to come in the field and get me you're, you're telling me I was overlooked you're, you're telling me I was underestimated you're telling me that I was counted out I was dismissed I was disregarded I was disrespected when my daddy looked he didn't say where's David as my brothers were going in, nobody looked around and said, hey, what about David? I'm not even sure if I want to go at this point. And if I weren't scared to death to defy the prophet, I wouldn't go. But because Samuel's in town, I guess I'll go. Does that seem reasonable? Are any of those feelings real? Do any of those feelings resonate as you look into this text? Verse 12 says, So he sent and he brought him in, and now he was ruddy and young with bright eyes and good looking. Come on, somebody, shout amen. And the Lord said, And the Lord said, Listen, this is the only qualifier. This is the only qualifier in the text, people. And the Lord said, don't worry about daddy didn't call me. My brothers didn't recognize. And the Lord said, 
And the Lord said, and the Lord said, arise and anoint him. Arise and anoint him for this. The one counted out, the one overlooked, the one that nobody believed in. This is the one. This is the one right here. Listen, when God gets ready to move in David's life, it didn't matter who counted him out. It didn't matter how much he'd been overlooked. It didn't matter how much he'd been despised. It didn't matter how if his daddy couldn't see it, if his brothers didn't recognize it, God wasn't concerned with everyone else's approval. He said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel, listen, oh, y'all ain't ready. 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 Matter, matter of fact, I, listen, I might need you. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up because you're, you're not ready. Get your word in your hand and, and just stand up right there with that, with that bread of life right there in your hand because this is going to be sustenance to your soul this morning. This is going to be faith building for you. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for you don't even look excited. Listen, listen. Oh my goodness, I was, I was reading this text and I said, uh-uh, no, he didn't. But he did. But he did. In verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Wait, wait, what? Where? Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Where? Uh, see, you're still not getting it. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him where? In the midst of his brothers. Come on, somebody. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forth. I love this verse. More specifically, I love that, that he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Come on, somebody. Listen. Listen. God didn't need anybody else's approval to anoint David. God didn't show up with a long explanation to say why he was choosing David instead of one of the other brothers. You are who you are. You are what you are as a matter of choice today in who you permit to influence your life. And you will listen to the voice of the critic and you will be paralyzed concerning the things of God or you will let and the Lord said be the qualifier for your life and you will not be afraid even in times when you've been maligned and overlooked to stand up in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and say as for me and God we constitute the majority for my life and I will not be held back from what others have to say about me because I know what my God has said about me. Listen, Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. 
I'm standing in the midst of people that are head and shoulders above me. But the call of God for my life is irrevocable. I'm surrounded by people that, earthly speaking, are more qualified than I. But the call and the gift of God is irrevocable. It doesn't matter about anybody else's opinion of me. The call of God for my life is irrevocable. If the word of the Lord and godly mentors who encourage you in the same have been permitted to hold the highest influence in your life, you're going to thrive in the spirit. But if you allow the voice of the critics to make determinations for your life, you're probably sorely disappointed with where you are right now. Because there's something in you that wants to respond to the call of God but it's bound up in you. Church, I'm telling you, it's time to set it free. It's time to set it free. The Spirit said, anoint him right here in front of the people who had been considered more qualified, in front of the people who would later criticize and judge his motives. God said, anoint him in the midst. Paul said in the context of God's calling that as long as he was faithful to his call, it was a small thing to him to be judged by any individual or any human court. Let me tell you something today. Let me tell you what I believe about you today. I believe that God is wanting to anoint you in the midst. I believe God is wanting to anoint you in the midst of your situation. The enemy has tried to convince you. He's accused you that you're not a good parent. But God has blessed you and your quiver is full. You are who God says you are. The enemy has tried to convince you through the voice of others that you're not what you need to be. And I'm telling you today, maybe you're not. But by the grace of God, you're going forward in Jesus Christ because that is the upward call in your life. God is anointing you in the midst. Oh, I, I love, I love this. I love this. This, this young man, this young man would later pen these words. And he would say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord praise in this place today. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over in the presence of my enemies. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.